This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line, but rarely do successful people get from point A to point B taking the most direct route. Host Jeffrey Klein speaks to a diverse mix of people to explore their story of success and the dots connected along the way. Thank you for listening. Here's your host, Jeffrey. This episode takes us back to the beginning, to new life. Photographer Anne Geddes shares her story of being inspired as a child by photographs she saw in Life magazine. Anne takes her love of mother nature and newborn babies and combines them to create timeless classic portraits of children, capturing a genuine moment in time. Enjoy. I am thrilled. Uh, my guest today is Anne Geddes, one of the world's most respected photographers. Anne creates images that are iconic, award-winning, and beloved. Like no photographer before her, her imagery singularly captures the beauty, purity, and vulnerability of children, embodying her deeply held belief that each and every child must be protected, nurtured, and loved. Anne's work has been published in over 84 countries and translated into 24 languages with over 19 million books and 13 million calendars sold. A multiple New York Times bestselling author, Anne's photography has been treasured and enjoyed by many generations. She has also been recognized by the Professional Photographers of America, who honored Anne with their Lifetime Achievement Award. And then Anne has also been inducted into the very prestigious International Photography Hall of Fame. Anne is a global advocate for children, working alongside the United Nations Foundation, the March of Dimes, and campaigning for awareness of meningococcal disease. Currently, during the outbreak of the global coronavirus, Anne invited her friends from around the globe to submit a joy image of their children to assist in spreading joy through Anne's Instagram during this difficult time. To date, submissions from over 58 countries have been submitted and accepted. Welcome, Anne. Thank you very much. Quite an impressive career you've had. But let's, I like to start at the beginning. So let's start with where were you born and what did your parents do for a living? Okay, well, I was born in Queensland in Australia. Um, if anyone knows Australia, I was born in a little town called Home Hill, which is in the Burdekin district. Um, and uh, my parents were graziers. My father was a grazier. So I grew up on a huge uh, cattle property or a ranch is what they call it here in the US. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was my upbringing. I was a country girl. And now here I am in New York City. <laughs> what kind of animals did they raise? Beef cattle. Beef cattle. Yes. So as a kid, did you think you wanted to be a beef cattle rancher, as we would call it? Or what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you ever have aspirations uh, you know, I loved being, you know, in the wide open spaces. And I suppose every child when they're growing up, um, when, they're, when they're small, they think that everyone's parents do what their parents do, right? And so I kind of saw myself as perhaps um, marrying a grazier and, uh, or a rancher. I have to speak American now. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, obviously my life just completely turned in the opposite direction. And so I'm a kind of nothing in between girl, you know, I would have been happy with that. Or I love sort of living in a city like New York. 
Um, but anything in between, I, I don't really see as um, my cup of tea. And growing up, uh, was there anyone who you looked up to as a role model when you were growing up? Was other, your parents, your mother, your dad, other people in the community? Yeah, I know. I, I, I knew you were going to ask this question, and I thought a lot about it. You know, um, I'm from a family of five girls, and my parents tried five times for a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. This is not a joke, right? And so, you know, I, I didn't really have that type of upbringing where we were encouraged to be the best people that we could be. You know, and it was maybe a, you know, a part of the times, like I was born in 1956. But it was also an attitude, I think, um, towards girls, you know, in that era. And so, you know, I just kind of never really had that confidence in myself until I got to my teens and I started to buy Life magazine. Um, and, you know, if there's any, any storytellers that influenced me a lot, um, particularly from my teens on, it was the um, photojournalists and, and um, photographers for Life magazine because, you know, I used to subscribe and I used to stare at these images and think, oh, it's just, just a moment in time and you can tell, be a great storyteller as a stills photographer just through one single image and and that stuck with me really ever since then so you know if they're great storytellers it would be those photographers and what 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 do you think separated those particular photographers and the way they could capture that moment as opposed to others who who didn't well you know great photographers have to be great storytellers and regardless of what your story is. And, and I get asked a lot, you know, by young photographers who are starting out, for instance, can I give them some advice? And, and I always say to them, what's your story, right? Because you owe it to your profession to be telling your own unique story. And that if you're copying somebody else and all you're doing day after day is the same thing, same thing, same thing, um, that means you're not an artist, right? And so storytelling um, comes in many forms. And, um, you know, I, I've said for years, that that's what I consider myself as a storyteller. Fantastic. Well, then we're in the right place because that's what I like yeah. to talk about and, and uh, is what I think is the most powerful way to kind of communicate and connect with people. What was your first paying job? So you didn't, <laughs> it was not photography. No, it was not photography. It was with the Tourist Hotels Corporation in New Zealand. Um, and uh, I was a waitress in their hotels throughout the country for two years. Uh, so that was my first paying job. I had a great time over there. You know, it's a, when you're at that age where, you know, 18, 18, 19, and, you know, nothing's impossible and no responsibilities and so on. So um, I made a lot of great friends you know, in, within that two-year period. Um, so, that, and it was an adventure as well as my first paying job. It's funny. I find uh, people from New Zealand and Australia have a sense of adventure as part of their DNA. Uh, as I've traveled a lot, you find they're everywhere. And there's a sense, I know people who would work just to make enough money to then go travel the next adventure. Yeah, yeah. Australians and New Zealanders are like that because they, yes, they love adventure, but they have to be, right? Essentially because they're far away from everything else. Um, and, you know, I find here and a lot of places in America, Americans aren't so outward looking. It's America is the world, 
whereas to Australia and New Zealand, the rest of the world is always there, right? And so we have a keen interest in it. Um, it's just an observation from an Aussie living here. Well, I've lived, uh, I, I spent, you know, uh, almost six months in Australia and I lived for 10 years in England. And one of the things, my children are all dual citizens. And for me, it's really important that they have that outside perspective. I think not only in the United States, but in certain communities, you become insular and you live in that little bubble. And I think it's really important for people, you know, for my children, for sure, to be able to experience difference. Yeah. And, you know, um, Jeffrey, with this coronavirus um, issue that the whole world is experiencing, I think it's, you know, I mean, there's some terrible, terrible things coming out of it. But there's also a sense of um, global unity that we're all thinking of each other. And, you know, uh, I know you mentioned my Instagram joy campaign. Um, and every day, you know, people direct message me from around the world, um, their images of um, the babies that they love, you know? Um, I don't know if you've seen them, but... It, I have, They're, it's incredible. It just brings me so much joy as well, right? But they're inevit inevitably saying, stay safe, mm -hmm. you know, and love to you and, and so on. I've become known as Auntie Anne now. <laughs> so love for my, to, to Auntie Anne from Estonia came in this morning, you know, um, and we're back and forth. How is it over there and how are you doing and, and so on. And so, you know, I think it's going to make us a lot more compassionate in, in terms of... Um, thinking about our fellow humans. Yeah, because it's not, it's everyone is, you know, in the same boat, you know, that together. In the same boat. Um, it, it doesn't, the, the virus doesn't care about your age, your, your gender, your, where you're from. Um, and that's, I think if it can unify people that that's, you know, again, a positive that's coming out of something that's fairly, really challenging. Yeah, and make them more humble, I think, you know. Um, a good dose of humbleness is not going to, be too bad for the world right now. Agreed. Uh, I want to go back a little bit um, and ask not just about your first paying job, but when was the first time you picked up a, a photo, a camera? Well, I started at a relatively late age of 25. I mean, seriously. Um, when I was growing up, um, there were no, and going to school, there were no photography courses. It just never occurred to me, right? Um, and I, I know you like to ask people, you know, what they wanted to be when they grew up and I actually wanted to be a sign writer um, you know I, I always loved art and and so on and this was in the days when um, um, there were like original hand-painted signs right um, businesses and so on and I noticed they're starting to bring this back um, here in New York a lot of you know big walls that are painted and so that was what I wanted to be you know the second was an anthropologist but you know, that's, I don't know, way up left field, but I love reading about all that stuff, right? Um, so that's that's what I it's wanted. It's Philadelphia has a very uh, vibrant mural arts program where they go and, and it used to be the anti-graffiti network where people go, local artists go and paint walls and, um, and, and take things, you know, in neighborhoods where they might not have that kind of art. You see these beautiful, you know, drawings and paintings that people do. I mean, it's uh, amazing. So you didn't get a ca What prompted you to get a camera at 25? I didn't answer your question exactly, did I? Um, yeah, so uh, there was no suggestion that I could be a photographer and, and um, no photography courses and it, it was just that era. And 
you know, I, I joked when I first started being a photographer that I was the first photographer that I ever met. Um, and um, I started with Cal's secondhand K1000 Pentax camera and we had moved to Hong Kong at the time for Cal's job in television. And um, I thought, well, look, I've, I've got a roof over my head. Um, I've got a, a fresh start in front of me here. Why don't I try to become a photographer? Because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Um, and so, yeah, that's what happened, you know, and, and it sort of went on from there. So you talked about um, that photography is really about being a good storyteller. Do you think that being good at telling stories is a skill that you can develop? Or do you think some people either have an eye or don't have it? Look, um, I think you can definitely learn the skill, um, but you have to have that passion within you. It, you have to be able to tell your story. And, um, you know, I think that that's the key to it. And, and I was watching you on your TED talk, you know, talking about the beginning and the middle and the end and everything. And there's always something um, that I can take on board, right? I'm, I'm always looking to learn to be better and, and so on at storytelling. And I thought you made quite a, a few really good points there, um, you. you know, which made me go and do a post yesterday telling a story, you know, about somebody else. And, and you know, I kind of had that in mind. Um, I think storytelling can be very, very powerful. Um, and the more um, skilled you become at telling stories, as long as they're genuine, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the better you can be at it in terms of reaching people. And that's what I try to do every day. How did you decide or, you know, that babies were going to be the focal point in the beginning um, and using the kind of whimsical, beautiful ways of, of you know, composing them? Because uh, it's very, it was, you know, for very unique, at the, I'm sure, at the time. And, you know, it had this otherworldly feel of these. I mean, babies in, in themselves are so innocent and pure. And you were able to capture that and elevate that in some ways. How did you decide, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do? Well, for the first 10 years of my career, I pretty much exclusively did private portraiture. And, you know, I've, I'd always loved um, from my days of Life magazine and, and looking at those images, you know, I'd always loved images of people. And I actually don't have any images at all of myself as a newborn. Um, and so I think that has stayed with me in that I wanted to create images of people that families would treasure forever, but they needed to be timeless, right? And, and this is, you know, the, the most simple photographs can be the most difficult to actually achieve. And um, of course, as soon as I started doing portraits of people, then of course, it's families and children and so on. And also, I was sort of looking at images that were being done of little children and like I've got photographs of myself with my sisters when you know I was maybe 11 10 or 11 and you know we used to go to the photo studio and sit there in our best Sunday dresses and our hair all combed and and so on and I look at this image um and I think oh there's no personality in there like what was I thinking at the time, I can't remember even being there. Um, and so you know, I thought, but children aren't like that. You know, we really want to, um, you know, you've got um, three children. You want to remember them um, for what they were at the time. You know, if you're photographing a two-year-old, oh, 
maybe a little bit older, you know, two-year-olds, they're dangerous personalities. Um, but you want to remember them in a classic image that stands the test of time that also shows a little bit of their character. And that's what I really was striving to do um, through those years of portraiture. And, um, you know, any, and the, the subject matter just got younger and younger. And, and I started um, being around, you know, women who were pregnant, who were having babies and, you know, just that whole sense of that world is so incredible. And I just got drawn more and more into it and became sort of totally fascinated with the, the, the story of new life and, and of transformation. And babies really do transform people. I mean, they, um, women become mothers instantly and men become fathers and families are formed. And, um, and then, you know, I never tire of the sight of a, of a naked newborn baby. I mean, it's just extraordinary. You know, it's extraordinary how we can, women can have babies. Um, it's extraordinary that they're so beautiful and for everything that they represent, you know, and, and, and it's even more um, poignant today, you know, with this whole coronavirus thing going on and people sending me like, you know, these images of uh, like someone the other day said, oh, this is my son. Um, he's eight weeks old or something. I can't remember how old he was now. She said, every time I look at him, my heart feels like bursting, you know. Um, there's no better way, really, of saying it, right? And, and when I first started also, a lot of other photographers, um, and most of them were male, would say to me, oh, yeah, I mean, I used to photograph babies when I was starting out, you know, with the implication that, and then I went on to more important things, right? And it used to puzzle me because I thought, well, if you were, for instance, Ansel Adams, say, right? Um, I love Ansel Adams. Yeah, I mean, he's not with us anymore. But I wonder if someone said to him, well, when are you going to stop doing landscapes and <laughs> photograph food? That, that wouldn't do it, right? You just wouldn't, wouldn't enter your head. But for me, in the early days, it was like, oh, yeah, babies, and she's a woman, and, you know. So um, I had to forge my own path, really. Uh, so, and I'm still doing it now, right, still. And it's coming up for, like, um, nearly 35 years. It's interesting. I have a good friend who's a, a professional photographer who worked in the fashion uh, for magazines and things, and then she shifted to doing weddings. And I think there was again, there's this kind of stigma. Oh, you're a wedding for you're a wedding photographer. You're not, you know. Yeah, that's right. She had a switch at one point where she realized, no, weddings are like one of the most important parts of a you know a family in the same way that having a child. And she brought that artistic beauty into you know because a lot of wedding photogra photography is not very inspiring um and so it was, it was but i think she realized like that she was doing something that actually mattered a lot more than the, the latest fashions of of vogue or whatever that she was film you know shooting um and she was actually making a much greater impact on the people she was Correct. it's, it's a form of photojournalism being a wedding photographer i tried it twice mm. oh god <laughs> it's hard it's really hard it's uh the, the wedding photographer that we knew in england very well we were at a, a few different weddings he was at and he was working mm. i mean it's it's yeah i 
I, I wouldn't want that job. Uh, I, I like to take pictures when I'm at weddings, but, uh, you know. And there's, there's a lot of um, preparation beforehand, and there's, it's not just the wedding, it's everything that mm-hmm. goes on afterwards, you know, in post-production. And, um, no, it's definitely an art form, definitely. So you, you film, uh, some people say, you know, children and pets are the hardest things to kind of photograph. What do you find the most challenging about shooting babies? Well, you know, um, I say a lot that for, for me, you know, the term doing your 10,000 hours, um, for me doing 10 years of portraiture um, really taught me how to deal with children of different ages. You know, I mean, there's a vast difference between um, a tiny newborn um, a six-month-old, a 12-month-old, you know, an 18-month-old. Um, it's challenging. It's hard work, right? Um, but it's very, very rewarding. And what I, what I have found um, is that the children who can be the most challenging um, give you the most magic, right? And so magic doesn't happen all the time, you know, and, and, but sometimes it's just so fast you know you've got to grab it but they've got that extra bit of character um so now i pretty much know that uh when i'm going into a studio into that i can be successful out of any sort of situation because you know you just call on you know experience from the past and you you cannot buy experience Um, and our two girls are photographers um one's in denmark and one's in australia and, um, you know, when they first started out, I would say, you, you should go do this, you know, and they would kind of roll their eyes because what would she know kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but it's true, you know, you, you, you can't buy ask you, that sort of experience. You? Mother Nature inspires me, you know. I mean, just we are lucky to be living across the road here right in New York City and Manhattan and Battery Park is right across the road. And, you know, for all of this horror with the coronavirus, Mother Nature's having a fabulous time, right? She's out there and the spring bulbs are popping up everywhere and the beautiful flowering trees. And, you know, I I always say Mother Nature never gets her colours wrong, ever. Um, And she always, she's always inspiring. She's always surprising. Um, she, she just delights people and, and, um, you know, ever since my very first coffee table book down in the garden, um, there's always been behind my work, this, we're all in this together with mother nature, you know, and, and we're living in a world of wonder and mother nature is great at, at expressing wonder. So I guess that's, I would say, you know, she's the greatest artist of them all really. Uh, I don't know if you know an art, uh, a sculptor, Andrew Goldsworthy. No. Um, he, he basically will create art from nature. So he'll collect leaves and put them in a pattern and, and it's remarkable. And he's, he's had, you know, blocks and he's basically, you know, found art <laughs> within nature. And it's, uh, oh, it's uh, nature is art. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I did a book, a coffee table book in 2010 called Beginnings. And um, the, the whole theme throughout it was elements of nature that bring forth new life. And, and I shot this in Sydney, in Australia, and, and the Australia Museum um, were very generous in allowing me access to um, this incredible selection. I think there would be you know, 20,000 little birds' nests and 
foods, eggs and, and things like that. So it was all about um, um, nature at the moment of transformation and, and little flower buds and cocoons and um, seeds and, and bulbs and that sort of thing, you know, and, uh, um, and accompanied by pregnant women you know, themed to the elements of nature and, and, and babies as well. And I, I shot it over two years and it was just extraordinary to, you know, I remember the first time I walked into this massive, massive storage bunker that um, the museum have um, in one of the suburbs in Sydney. And, you know, you go into these places and it's just shelf after shelf after shelf of these little archival boxes, some of them big, you know, talk about magpie, um, um, nests so they just they go nuts they're like Jackson Pollock of birds right um, but I opened the, the first little box that I opened and there was a tiny little bird's nest in there with a couple of eggs and it just was like oh my god you know it was it was just a little bird's version of new life and it's not really supposed to be in this box because Essentially, nests are, um, are designed to be hidden um, away and, um, you know, to be able to look at them that close and, and to see how intricate they are, it's really extraordinary. And, and they do it with no arms, you know. They've just got a beak and two little legs and they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. I talk too much about nature because I can go on forever. <laughs> well, I'll just, I'll just um, add to that, which is my son's bedroom has a window where the last two or three years, every uh, spring birds will make a nest and have had eggs and hatched. And so we've had a little window in the same way. And it was interesting, they started to build and then a storm came and you know it was really sad and they came back and they started again. And that kind of perseverance and, and just, it, it, was, uh, it was remarkable uh, to, to kind of have a window yeah. into something you're not usually no, no, because it's supposed to be secretive, you know. And speaking of birds, you know, here we are in New York. There's no one on the streets. There's no traffic. Um, and you can hear the birds in the park, you know, and it's kind of, oh, my goodness, it's, you know. In fact, we were there yesterday, the day before, and this little sparrow came hopping out from under the bush and started screaming at Cal. <laughs> I said, oh, you're in big trouble, right? And must have had a nest nearby. (laughs) I had a theory about, because we were in a fairly suburban area where there are a lot of birds and we hear a lot of birds. And I had the theory, which is they're going, where'd everyone go? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Um, And Mother Nature, as I said before, having a wonderful time because we humans aren't stomping all over her right now, you know? So, um, yeah, she's out there skipping around, doing her thing. It's it's wonderful for us to we try and walk every day and yeah to be out in nature is I think really important if you can yeah. do it. Yeah. Uh, not everyone can and um, no. but if you, if you have the opportunity even in the backyard or wherever it may be to just take in a little mother nature. Yeah. yeah, it really makes you feel calmer. That's for sure. You've had a very successful long career. I'm curious if you could give a piece of advice to your 21 year old self. What advice would you have given yourself? Um, I would have told me to have more confidence in your creative abilities. You know, I was, and this comes from being brought up in a family where we weren't encouraged or told that um, we could achieve things, that we were smart, that we were 
beautiful, so I could tell your children, you know, we never heard that. Um, and so I didn't have this great sense of myself until I sort of got away from home and, and started thinking creatively and, um, you know, I, I would have said, and come on, you're, you are actually better than this and you can do this, right? And um, so it's always been, in the beginning, it was a lack of confidence in myself. So I'd like to go back and um, give myself a bit of a shake and say, come on, get on with it. And what was the turning point where you finally got your confidence? What, what do you think enabled you to kind of say, yeah, I can do this? Um, creative confidence. Um, you know, I'll tell you a story about um, for the first couple of years when I was photographing um, and we were in Hong Kong then at the time. Um, and I was photographing, you know, I put a sign up in the local supermarket and people started to call and I was photographing in their homes and gardens and, you know, that sort of thing. And it just wasn't really clicking for me. Um, I know people, some people do great work um, outside, you know, in the environment, but I'm, I'm not that sort of photographer. And anyway, we eventually came back to Australia and we were in Melbourne at the time and I was looking um, through a, our local newspaper one day and I came across this photograph of this, um, it was a black and white image of a, of a young girl who was maybe five or six years old and it was a portrait. And I was just, it just stopped me, right? And I was like, whoa, that, oh, that's great, right? And so I called the photographer um, and I was pregnant with my second daughter at the time. I was about eight months pregnant. And I called the photographer, Leanne Timmy in, in Melbourne and said, hey, would you like an unpaid assistant? And she said, well, sure. You know, she said, I, I just photograph on Saturdays um, if you want to come along. And so I did. And the moment I walked into a photographic studio, I'd never been in one before, was it's just a turning point for me, you know, it's like, oh my God, it, yes, this is what I need to be doing, right? And that's when um, I started to get my confidence and because I like to, I like to think um, um, about an empty space and like I walk into the studio, like I rent here in, in New York, when I'm shooting, you're going into an empty space, right? And then you gradually bring in the lights and you create that environment, whatever's in your imagination, right? And, and then what you do is you create an image that was no, never there before and it will be there forever. And that, that's something that, that's like, I just love it, right? And so I never sort of, if I'm shooting day after day, um, like for, for consecutive days, I always strike the set at the end of each day and you go in the next morning to that empty space and you create something else. Um, and, you know, to me, the notion of being outside and having to worry about the weather and everything, I mean, it just freaks me out. I'm a Virgo, right? Um, so, I mean, and every photographer, every artist is different. You know, there's every, every artist has their own creative trigger point. Um, and that's mine is an empty studio. And I've, I've photographed in countries around the world and, you know, I photographed recently, a few years back now in, um, in Doha, in Qatar, and they don't have photographic studios there that were big enough for what we were doing, right? Um, which was a series of images of local athletes um, and young babies. And so we ended up using what was basically a construction site 
where they were building a restaurant. And for the two weeks that we were there, turned it into a photographic studio, you know, and then did all these beautiful images and then you go and you look back and it's a construction site again, you know? You know what I mean? It's, it's magic, you're just making magic and then it's gone, right? So that's the big thing with me is, you know, that you, it, especially when you're doing portraits or you're photographing young children, you can go for days and days and you can get really nice images. And then all of a sudden someone gives you a little bit of magic and you just have to grab it right there, right? Because it's a gift. And, and it's like the image, I don't know if you know, the little baby that uh, mine called Cheesecake where she's lying in the roses um, and she's got this big smile on her face. And it was just so fast, you know, and you, you've got to be ready and you have to be able to know that it's there. Um, so anyway, I can, I can go on and get, you know, just... I'm I'm curious because when you when you talked about the empty space, it made me think of other arts in terms of the blank canvas or the blank page where nothing's there and then something's created, which is pretty. Uh, I love that process of creating things. I think that's kind of one of our missions is to create something that was never there. Uh, at the same time, a lot of artists talk about the proverbial block, whether it's writer's block or have you ever found yourself in a situation because you're starting from sort of scratch all the time where you're like. I'm not sure where this is, you know, going to go yes. or I'm yes. not sure what the idea is going to be. Do you ever find that you have a creative block and then how do you get over that? Well, I don't think I'd call it a creative block because I'm a sort of, I'm the sort of person um, who, or sort of artist, photographer, who never thinks I can't achieve something, that there's always a way, Right. And, you know, for instance, I'll give you a, an, um, an idea. I shot the 12 signs of the Zodiac um, mm -hmm. back in 2016, 2015-2016. And when I was telling people that I was going to do that, they'd be like, well, but what are you going to do about cancer? Um, mm -hmm. What would you do? You know, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? I'm like, I don't know, but I'll find a way, you know. Um, and... And if you, that's, that's, that's the challenge. And, and for cancer, I had a little hermit crab, right? Um, and it was just because the crab's a sign for cancer, right, in the zodiac, for instance. And, you know, it, it, you get a great sense of achievement through coming up with something like that. And I, I often, if people say, well, what would you do with this and in, in this sort of situation, and I think, well, just give me a couple of days so I can think about it. I've got to get myself into a mental space where the ideas will happen, right? And sometimes it, it just takes a few days and it sits on the back burner and, and so on. Um, but it, it's also great to work with, um, like I've worked with the same props person and stylist for the last, ever since Down in the Garden, um, which was in the mid-90s. Um, and she's fantastic as well, you know, and so I, I kind of know if I say to her, this is what I'm thinking, and she goes away, and if she sends me a message, she, she's in New Zealand, by the way, if she sends me a message going, um, yes, it's going to be great, you know, it's going to be fantastic, right? Um, and so you can feed off other people as well. I, th I, I don't think you can create in a vacuum. Um, for, certainly I can't create in a vacuum and I can come up with the ideas and, and 
and you know the sometimes wild vision um, but you need people to support you as well that's really important I've got a husband who really supports me um, as well always good to have a good you know support system I think and surrounding yourself with good people is, is one of the keys to success yeah and people who believe in you right mm -hmm. um, and it's also your responsibility to inspire them as well so everybody gets better at the same time I love it uh, what do you so we're in a very crazy time at the moment but in general what do you think is next in terms of whether it's photography you know because now everyone has a cell phone and anyone can take a picture um, how do you think that's going to change things kind of going forward for photography it has turned the photography world on its head right but the thing is um, like I do a lot of private portraiture right um, you can't there are, everyone's running around with their cell phones calling themselves photographers right that's not and the word photographer has been cheapened in a way because the millions of images that are taken every day um, on millions of cell phones are really just more of a fleeting thought right they're not something that um, has a story to tell right people have got thousands of images on their cell phones that they're never going to look at again, right? Um, and, you know, I've had six-month-old six babies in the studio. Um, if someone pulls out a cell phone, they put on a fake smile, and they're six-month-olds, right? But there's always room, even more so today, for photographers who are great storytellers, right? Because really good photography, when you look at a, a still image, regardless of the subject matter, and it moves you and makes you think about things that you would never have thought of before, then that's great photography, right? And there is still a lot of great photography happening. Um, and it's not, when, when you look at a great image, for instance, like something that was in the newspaper or you turn in pages or you see it online, um, the, I guarantee you that the first thing you're not thinking is, I wonder, what camera was used, I wonder if it was a cell phone, blah, 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 you know. And, and I, to be honest, a lot of the time, um, you know, Apple with their cell phones, they have ads for, oh, you can be a photographer with this, but the photo was actually taken by a professional, right? So, you know, the, there's a vast difference between the two. You know, I, it, all of it's great, mm -hmm. right? But as I said before, when I say to young people who ask me for advice, I'd say, what's your story, right? That's what you've got to figure out. What's your story? And my story was always the wonder of new life and, um, you know, the, the sense of possibility that comes from children and, and from pregnancy and birth and so on. That's my story. If you've got your own story, you'll never run out of inspiration ever. I can guarantee it. I love that. Uh What's next for Anne? <laughs> Apart from moving. <laughs> I, I, I meant, I guess, that more in a, a career and, and, you know, are you going to work on more books and kind of like, do you think you'll continue to? There's no, there's no, there's no reason to do books anymore, Jeffrey. It's a, it's, a, it's a real shame, you know. For me, to, the last creative series of images that I did um, was essentially the signs of the Zodiac. 
Um, you know, for me, the money's just not in paper anymore, right? Um, there are no greeting cards. Or, you know, I have a calendar. It comes out every year, but lately they're classic images opposed to new ones, right? Because that's just changed. Um, and the coronavirus has hiccuped a lot of um, uh, shoots. There are no shoots happening because for obvious reasons. Um, I have a, um, a big um, concept coming up, but I can't talk about it right now. Um, I'll have to check back and, in. Um, sorry? I'll have to check back in and we'll have to follow yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm also um, working uh, with Swarovski on um, a beautiful line which will come out next year. So that's really exciting. And they're a great company to be working with, you know. I mean, they're... they're, they're um, they have such huge respect for artists mm. and, and um, Nadia Swarovski, who, who we've been working with, you know, is, is really one of these people who doesn't micromanage you, she just let you get on with it, you know, and that's, it's just like a gift for someone like me. We're at that point where I'm going to ask you what I call the nine rapid fire questions. So don't want you, you to overthink. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> Do you mean don't talk as much, Anne? <laughs> no, that's not at all what I mean. I just want uh, okay. meant to be quick and fun. So is it better to be a planner or a doer? I think it's better to be a dreamer. Oh, look how you took that and you took your own space. Um, should stories always have happy endings? Oh, no. Oh, definitely not. But I think stories and storytellers need to tell stories with emotion. That's the most important ingredient. Do you have a favorite emoji? Well, I thought about this and I guess it's the heart. Um, mm. I'm, I'm, yeah, the heart would have to be. If you had to sing a karaoke song, is there a song you would choose? I hate karaoke. So I, I just I don't do karaoke, right? For me, karaoke makes me cringe. I have a favorite song, right? Let's hear it. Uh, Hotel California, The Eagles. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Instagram, your favorite social media platform, I'm assuming? Yeah, I mean, I'm loving the joyful campaign that I'm doing on Instagram. You know, I, I put some of it on Facebook, but I love Instagram, you know, for its immediacy. And, and um, yeah, so, you know, people, please keep those images coming in. Can you name a book that left a lasting impression on you? Yes. Uh, okay, now... If you're not Australian, you may not have heard of Mae Gibbs, right, um, who was um, very instrumental uh, in my childhood in terms of um, she had this beautiful book called Snuggle Pot and Cuddle Pie. And I used to lie in bed, honestly, with five or six years old and just stare at the illustrations of all these magical stories about these little babies in nature and, and so on. And, and, of course, you know, every great story has got to have... Um, um, an evil monster and the big bad Banksy and man and I'll be like oh my god you know I mean kids kids love drama in their stories right mm-hmm. but, but people are like oh you don't want to frighten them yeah that's what they want right they love it they love it so big bad Banksy and man was my childhood horror story but may give snuggle pot and cuddle pie can you name one of your favorite movies yes what the movie that had the biggest impression on me was the sound of music. And it was because of where I was at the time. I was on Magnetic Island, which is just off the coast of 
North I, Queensland. I've actually been, Jeffrey Bell. Oh, okay. It's where, it's where I got trained in scuba diving. Oh, no way. Okay. So I was eight or nine years old and it was in Picnic Bay on Magnetic Island and they had an open air theatre with the canvas seats and, you know, the big screen. And I remember sitting there and my feet were too, um, my legs were too short to touch the ground in these canvas seats and the opening shot of The Sound of Music, oh my God, you know, there's Julie Andrews and that white scene and the hills are alive, you know, and it just sent goosebumps through me. I've got goosebumps now, you know, and because that that was just magnificent and clever and, and just dramatic and I just was stunned. I was just stunned. So I would have to say that movie. There are certain movies that my children went through cycles of, and Sound of Music was one that we watched. Oh, kids love that. Uh, yeah. And it's a great movie, so I, I was yeah. happy to. Yeah. Um, what's one thing you can't live without? My family. Seems a fair answer. Yeah. Um, this is a challenge. If you could be credited with inventing something, what would it be and why? I can tell you a secret and I've been working on it for 35 years, I am going to invent a magic wand to put babies to sleep. And I'm gonna make a fortune, right? As soon as I get it right, yeah? Everyone will want one, right? Everyone with a newborn, hello. I, I would definitely liked one when I had twin babies, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, thank you so much. You've been a wonderful guest and, and it's clear that uh, you have passion for what you do and it comes through. Uh, is there anything at the moment that you want to promote that we can share? We'll put in the notes for other people. Um, yeah, just my joy campaign, right? Um, on my Instagram and get his official and just direct message me from whatever country in the world, right? Um, you're living in a joyful image of a little baby you love who gives you joy and tell me their name and their age and um, what country you're from. And, um, you know, I'm up to 58 countries so far. And, you know, it just, I, it takes me two or three hours a day to go through them and post them and everything, but they bring me so much joy as well. Mm -hmm. You know, through, through, through this time, um, we all need a little bit of lightness and, um, that's certainly what babies are doing around the world. They're just getting on with it and, and um, send, giving so much joy to the people around them. And th that's the thing, you know, if, if, if in this room, if someone walked in with a, a six-month-old baby, I guarantee you people mm. are smiling, right? And, um, you know, there's no such thing as a mean-spirited baby. You know, they're, they're just pure joy. Um, and so that's what I want to tell people, please um, keep direct messaging me um, these images because we all, we're all in this together. I know that's said a lot, um, but the human condition um, just needs a little bit of an injection of joy every day. Fantastic. Uh, what a great way to end in terms of, you know, helping people spread joy and, and I love what you're doing. Um, and I want to thank you for thank you. your insights and sharing with us. Um, I've just enjoyed it thoroughly. And more than anything, I just sort of want to thank you for helping us connect the dots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, it's a great time um, to be talking because everybody's home and, and it's really nice to sort of reach out and, and you know, I've enjoyed the discussion. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. 
Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.